This is part one of a two-part series about the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants Lemonade Conference that occurred in May with Maggie. So I hope you guys enjoy it and uh, part two as well. Thanks. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another week of your dog's best life. And today joining us is Maggie, and we are going to talk about the IAABC, which is the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, I got through that, all by myself, Lemonade Conference, which occurred the 23rd through the 25th of May, and both Maggie and I attended, I'm putting that in air quotes, because it was online because the world ended with the pandemic. So this is nothing but an hour of geekery with Maggie and I. So welcome, Maggie. Hi, happy to be here. So we both geeked out and we had a lot of fun and some classes, I'm putting classes in air quotes too, we did together and some we did, you know, independently. So uh, Maggie runs a, 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 what are they called? Oh my God, shelter, good God. <laughs> and <laughs> so, <laughs> my God. So she had to focus more on cats than I will ever do. And she had to focus obviously on more on shelter things than, than I had to do. So the first thing is, is the length of time. The, the, the conference ran from six, was it six in the morning? Yeah, until- 6 a.m. Till like midnight, right? Till like the yeah. last one was at 10 and would end at midnight. Yeah. It was crazy long. And um, so Maggie was a stud. I'll, I'll say I did, of on those in those three days, I did 14 uh, of the seminars or whatever they're called. And Maggie, how, how many did you do? Uh, I did 52 hours worth in three days. Yeah, she's a freaking I, I stud. I pretty much, ev- almost everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we're just gonna kind of go through, it, and I'm just gonna, I'll talk a little bit about the ones that I did, and kind of talk uh, about some of the high points. I mean, I'm not gonna talk about everybody, and then Maggie can talk about some of the high points of the ones that she remembers, and some of them we both, we both kind of did together. Um, we both did one by a veterinarian called Jennifer Summerfield about behavior meds. But that was deep. <laughs> it was amazing. There are a lot more yeah. medications than there were the last time I did continuing education on medication. So I think that was incredibly powerful. I mean, we're not vets, but it does give us an idea of what vets are prescribing right now and what's available for veterinarians in the veterinary community to help these dogs. And I, I don't know about you, Maggie, my, my preference, I'm bad. I, I like to really kind of wait on meds. I don't feel comfortable jumping right to meds. And she did give a very good example of why we should. And I think that we can talk a little bit about that. And, um, because I, I just, I want to see what the dog is like for real. I mean, and I don't take gnarly attack. I mean, the dogs I have that I'm working with aren't coming up the leash at me. So I'm not dealing with serious aggression cases. I'm not dealing with cases where the dog's behavior is going to get it rehomed or euthanized. I mean, that's something I send, honestly, to other trainers because I just don't, I don't need to deal with that. I deal with anxiety, however, a lot. And anxiety, obviously, is one of the things that medication really can be helpful with. And it's just not in my toolbox to reach for the medications kind of right away. 
So, um, what what would you add or subtract or? Oh gosh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just so the opposite. But you know, sometimes some of these cases that I work with, I mean, in the shelter, but in in private practice too. I, ah, uh, gosh, I I mean, it depends on the case and it depends on the severity. But I love partnering with their veterinarian. You know, finding the right medication that's going to help their behavior modification plan be successful, um, and then you know, make adjustments. And I love when you have a whole team working with you. It's not just your trainer. It's not just just your behaviorist, your veterinary behaviorist, but your it's it's your veterinary behaviorist, it's your veterinarian, it's your trainer, all working together to uh, find the solution. And uh, so I, I don't know. I'm always I'm not the first to jump to meds, but I certainly don't ever exclude them in my behavior cases. I can say that. Right. Yeah. And I and I don't think I necessarily exclude them. I just I don't leap for them right away. And she gave the example, and I think it's fair, but I also think it bears examining. And and this is true. In the veterinary world, we don't wait and see if your dog will be better with hypothyroid. We just treat with the medication. Same thing with a cardiac issue. You don't wait and see before putting the dog on vetmedin or one of the other medications that we utilize for heart disease. Having said that, neither of those diseases can be treated through behavior modification. So I think it's somewhat disingenuous to say we should we should leap readily to to drugs because because none of the other diseases that we deal with with dogs I mean I can't say none I mean sure arthritis can be handled to some extent with diet um if the dog is you know morbidly obese and can barely walk well probably start there but um I, I think that we have to err. I don't know. I mean, I think we're finding more and more information about the brain and that's fascinating. And I just, I'm just not super comfortable just throwing, making that like my first line of defense. And I, and I see a lot of that coming from certain sectors of the dog training community. And, and my argument would always be a surgeon operates, uh, a hospital hospitalizes. So veterinarians medicate and trainers train. And so as the train, you know, we're all going to go to our week, our strength. And the more you, I love getting veterinarians involved. And I, I think that's absolutely imperative when you have an extraordinarily difficult case where you do think that the brain chemistry is, is truly involved. Having said that, um, I mean, that's what they're going to reach for. They're going to reach for drugs right away because that's what they're trained to do. Yeah, and and they will every single time. You know, the, the if if it's severe enough, but you know that's the thing. If it's severe enough that 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 client is seeking out a veterinary behaviorist, yeah. they there is a, probably a very good chance that they they do need meds. But there are risks involved. I mean, they are very safe drugs, uh, the majority of them, but there are side effects. You know, sometimes it can make these behavioral issues worse. Sometimes uh, it makes the dog less. Uh, inhibited and then we have some more right. serious issues depending on the now that can be very good or that or can bad be very very <laughs> bad um and so you you have to be extremely careful um you need to make sure that uh you know, and that's what i think is so important with you know even if this person does seek out a, a veterinary behaviorist um I, I like to see them working with a trainer as well uh, because that trainer can help them identify some of the issues or some of the things that they need to be looking for so that they can let their veterinary and know that doses need to be adjusted or they're not getting the results that they need, uh, whether, you know, someone's going in willy-nilly and getting hurt, um, you know, because they're, you know, not necessarily hurt, but, 
I don't know, just not the, the best choice for the behavior issue that the dog has. And she so. was, yeah, and she was very adamant that drugs alone will not solve any of the behavior problems. I mean, she, yeah. she, she did not, she, yeah. w- she was not, because I've had people say, my dog's on Prozac, and I'm like, okay, well, what did you actually train, <laughs> what was your training protocol? Oh, no, the vet just put it on Prozac, and you're like, oh, my God, why? And then, and then you ask, well, is the dog better? Well, no. Well, then, oh, yeah. you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? But you talked about lowering inhibition, and I have to, I do have to tell this story. So, so I had this wacko little mystery mix dog. She was awesome. Her name was Annie Oakley, and she was a mix of unknown mixes, one of those. And uh, she, she was kind of, she, she was kind of a, she was a cool little dog, a little weird about the other dogs, and. When I would make bratwurst here at the house, I would boil it first in beer. And then afterwards, I would give all the dogs a little bit of the beer because it's been boiling in freaking meat. I mean, meat and fat. I mean, what a perfect diet for these dogs. And one night we were having a 4th of July party up here. And all of a sudden, Oakley, the super sweet little mystery mix, suddenly is like lunging across the porch at her sister. I mean, just... We're we're um, we're flabbergasted. This dog's never ever attacked, done anything like even a thousand miles within a distance of this behavior, to the point where she did it like three times. We had to put her in the dog run, and <laughs> separate her. And I'm th- as I went to bed that night, my husband's like, she has rabies. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She does not have rabies. This is not Cujo or Old Yeller. We're fine. <laughs> but clearly something happened. And then I realized she's a mean drunk. She The only thing keeping her from, because she she did not always love her sisters and brothers and, and was very kind of noise sensitive and, and, and movement sensitive. And the only thing that was keeping her from eating them apparently was inhibition. And once her inhibitions went down because of the alcohol... She effectively became a mean drunk. You're going to have to boil those bratwursts a little longer, Leanne. (laughs) So she was no longer permitted to have beer. (laughs) Ooh, we just had a loud thunder strike here. So hopefully we'll keep our... We're hopefully we're going to keep our electricity. We'll see. We've already lost it three times a day. So, well, you guys have fires there too, right? Oh yeah, we've got fires. The whole uh-huh. other side of the mountain range on the other side of us is on fire, and it's like seven thousand acres at this point. Oh man, it's bad. It's it's heading up the mountain. It's now they're talking about evacuating the mountaintop town, and yeah, it's it's bad. So and like hmm. I said, that was also caused by lightning, and we've got lightning here. We did get a little bit of rain. And then, like I said, anytime we get any weather up here, we immediately, the first thing that happens is the electricity goes. It's like we've got like one hair thin stri- stripe of, uh, <laughs> of electrical cord attaching us to the city. And the second there's a wind or a raindrop, it's like, oh, can't work anymore. <laughs> uh, okay, so moving on. Moving on from that, so my focus, of course, is anxiety because uh, when we were doing the conference, because that's my my specialty, as it is, uh, as it were. And uh, so the next, the thing I took next was was it Je- uh, Jess Heckman? Was Jess, that next yeah, on Jess, the list? Yeah, yeah Jess yeah, Heckman on anxiety, and it was uh, fantastic. Uh, it was. Wow, it was incredible. The questions and the questions and answers were amazing uh, because the format was they would do their 
webinar for an hour, and that mm-hmm. was pre-recorded. And then afterwards, they do a Q&A, and they'd be available for, the obviously, the A part. Otherwise, it'd just be a bunch of Qs. And that's the reason we would choose the ones we saw live. We have access to the rest of the conference for, like, a year, I think. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she, I really, I really loved... I really, really loved it, and she talked about, she has some really great insights into possibly the correlation between the, she said intelligence, but I kind of always balk at saying one breed is more intelligent than the other, but I'd certainly say bitability, the the sensitivity that we see in the herding lines might Uh be correlated with higher anxiety levels, which makes, which makes some sort of sense. yeah, it's it's. I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic, and you did it yeah. as well. And I remember I us did. messaging back and forth. So, and did you know? Did Jess talk a little bit? And I, I we saw so many conferences. I, it, I didn't take as extensive notes as Leanne. Um, she talked a little bit about the intelligence link yeah. with some of these behaviors, and I just found that absolutely fascinating. So, so basically, guys, uh, what, what Jess was talking about, she was finding a link between dogs who are hypervigilant, who, who tend to have anxiety. You know, they're fearful, they're observant, they're always on guard with these, the, scoring very high on these intelligence tests. Um, and, and then that kind of led into, you know, how, are we breeding? Are we selectively breeding for this uh, with our performance dogs, which was really fascinating, too. But it was so interesting, and it was, it was just a lot of fun. She's fun to listen to. If you ever have a chance to, to hear her speak, do it, because she's such a phenomenal speaker, and she is really fun. Yeah, I really, 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 that was one of my favorite. That was one of my favorites. That was um, absolutely one of my favorites. Then, then I took um, Shade White Souls markers. I don't think you took that. Uh, you know, I think I did toward the end, but I was so brain dead by then. I, I, I couldn't tell you because it, it was what environmental markers, right? It was a ama- It was fan. It was she. That was the one where she had the video, the Malinois, and the dog went from the bite sleeve to like a Kong oh, toy to a treat. Yeah, she. Yeah, she did some fun things. Oh That's my more god. You. That was more. I, yeah. I saw. I, I saw. I was halfway paying attention. I might have been falling asleep or just just dazing <laughs> off into space at this point. But I did remember that, and that was so you. Yeah, because it was. She's amazing. I mean, I've heard other, you know, I've heard heard other people talk about her and, and uh, wow. I mean, I was just, and you know, the thing is, is, you know, that's why I think, I think the value comes um, when you have people, because you remember the, the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, that's everybody. Those are people who are doing work on parrots and doing work on, on most of them probably are doing behavior consults on, on pet dogs. And but I think it's really important for us to kind of visit and always be revisiting and paying attention to what's going on other on in other sports. And she probably I don't know how many markers she has. She probably has like twenty something. But and she does bite work sports where that's super amazing. And she's working with these Malinois who are just awesome dogs. And I and I was just in I was in love. I could watch that like three times. And it was early enough that I wasn't a zombie because I watched it. You had to watch something else at the time that I watched that one because there were several that repeated through the weekend. And that one was twice. And yeah, it was. Well, and the other thing for me is really understanding and really getting a hold of the idea of 
um, I'm going to get this wrong. Damn it. Um, the dog's ability to make the right choice given the right cue so that we look at a reward cue as a cue, as opposed to looking at the reward marker as just being, yes, you got it right. And good luck figuring out where the hell the toy is or what it is or how it's going to be presented to you. Or, you know, it's a cue and the cue is telling the dog how to and where to access what they're going to access. And, and looking at it from that perspective, which is a new perspective for me, is very, very powerful because I do think that many, many... Hold even, on, Leanne. Hold on. Yep. Back up a little bit because somebody may not be as nerdy as you. Explain <laughs> explain to us um, what you mean. So so the, the audience may not understand what you mean about, about um, you know, having these different, you know, letting the dog know that the marker for, or the... Um, the environmental cue for, uh, you know, let's say dropping it on the ground or delivering it from a hand. So explain that to them because you, you bypass that part and they may not know about that. Okay. So that so, was a really important part of that, I think. Yeah, no, it's amazing because mm-hmm. so, so what I think happens a lot of times with beginner people when they're working with a marker for the very first time. So the marker is the click or the yes. If you're using marker training, it's click or yes. And what we, we as trainers, especially when they were dealing with pet dog owners tend to kind of throw that away. We say, here's the marker. Yes. Click whichever. And you just give food. And we are very, um, as a, as a group lazy about how we explain how that works and how it functions. And because of that, you get a lot of frustration behaviors from these dogs. We get a lot of, of the mugging the hand. We get a lot of dogs who essentially turn into land sharks and alligators and they, they reach for the treat because I don't think that we're creating enough clarity to the owner that is, is the marker does not just tell the dog that they did something right. They also tell the dog how to access the reward and where the reward is going. And so as an example, if I use the word yes, then that means that the dog is receiving the reward to their mouth. They don't have to chase it. They don't have to find it. And I'm not going to just throw my hand down within 12 inches of the dog and make the dog go looking for it. It is right there. Whereas my get it cue means the reward is running away from them. And usually I'm using food. So it usually means the food is rolling. You need to look for it. It's on the ground. Get it. Um, I have a catch reward marker and that is obviously catch which means the dog now knows to look in the air for it and what I think that does and I'm not saying we should throw 30 markers at dog pet owners that's one is about 15 too many for a lot of dog owners but I think if we're much more clear in telling owners click or yes then you then you reach for your food and hand it to your dog's mouth that will be helpful. And then the dog starts to understand that the cue is a release to get food. And that's, that's where the, the understanding of you have access to this thing now. The door is open versus the door is closed. So what she's doing is she's working with incredibly high drive dogs who really, really, above all else, the coolest thing in their world is the guy in the bite suit. That is that is the bee's knees. They want the guy in the bite suit. So she has to be able to say to the dog, you're getting a reward, but it's not the guy in the bite suit. It's a treat at my hand. And putting that 
kind well, of... Well, and it's defining how it's going to be delivered, which yes, I think exactly. is fascinating. And exactly. I think that, and I'm so into gamifying everything, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think for a dog who isn't necessarily a high-drive dog, you can build some drive and some games into your, your training just by the, the treat delivery, by having Absolutely. these multiple markers. I mean, you could have your yes from the hand, you could have a catch, and you could have a scatter. And just adding three, I don't think that would be too tough. I mean, it might be for a beginner class, but maybe for an intermediate or an advanced class or trick class, I think people would have fun with it. And it, it is, and by by um, by giving that a name, by by defining how that delivery is going to happen, I think that does add so much clarity and it improves the communication and the bond between your dog. I mean, there's so much that you can do with this, which is a stupid thing like just the, the yeah. treat delivery and the marker. But there, I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal concept. It really was pretty fun. It was, I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. I mean, I'd heard of other people using multiple markers and I'd heard other people discuss her and her multiple markers. And, and I, I do use a couple, I do use about four markers. I'm pretty careless with them though. I'm not, I'm not good about it. Well, I think we do that naturally. I think just talking to our dogs, you know, communicating with them. I think we, you know, it's on the floor when we, you know, toss something on the ground. You know, I mean, we, I I think that even the casual dog owner um, has established some of these markers without even realizing it. Oh, so the other, so I'll tell you a story. So, um, so with, with Tag, um, my pup, I, whenever I play with her and I can do this because Billy or because she's not in the house. Um, whenever I play with her, I make this ridiculous Donald Duck sound. Okay, it's here it is. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And both my and both Cody and Dice just looked up because they heard that and they're like, "Oh God, where's Tag? Um, <laughs> please tell me she's not in the house." So anyway, when so I'm I'm healing with her the other day. We're training healing, and she did something. I think I did a turn, and she did a beautiful pivot in, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And she looked up at me, and she had this kind of smiling, happy face. She's the happiest damn dog, anyway. And I saw her smiling little happy face, and so I went, and she went ballistic. I mean, she immediately got excited and started wiggling, and I'm like, "Oh my god! I've this is now a marker cue." And now I need to play with her. Oh, what a burden. And so we did. We, we played the tickle game and where she flops upside down and I just tickle her. But um, it's, not a very, it's not a very sophisticated game. But, you know, now I have that. I know that I can use that as a marker. And, and again, it immediately raises her. I mean, she's already a pretty enthusiastic little pup. But it just puts her through the roof because she's like, oh, mom's going to play with me. So I got... Uh-huh. I got a lot out of it. Yeah. And I'm actually going to watch that one again. Yeah. I, you know, I want to, too. We've got a similar one, similar to your story with Ralph. So I have an Afghan, and if you've listened to our previous podcast, you, you may know that uh, Ralph, my Afghan, failed puppy, Leanne's puppy class. <laughs> yep, it's a story. It's maybe a story for another day. Uh, but but he's kind of a doofus, and uh, he does a thing where you ever see the labyrinth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you remember? And do you know the those weird Muppets with their heads that come off and they twist all different ways and they take their heads off and they juggle them? Do you remember those? Yeah, that was creepy. It was super creepy. So Ralph can do that. So he can whip his head around and he can Oh, yeah, because he's an Afghan. Yeah. yeah. He's essentially oh, yeah. an owl. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically an owl. Um, and we, we call that chicken dog. 
Because he looks like a chicken. He can move his head in every direction. And that's what it looks like. It really does look like that labyrinth Muppet. Um, and if we say chicken dog to him, he flails his head back and his mouth is open and his tongue is out. And he's so happy. I mean, he thinks it's the greatest thing. He'll bark and he'll run around in circles. And so we have that mark. I mean, I don't know how we... I think we, we start. He did it a couple of times and we made such a big deal out of it because it was so dumb and ridiculous <laughs> so that is our market that is our well that's our i can't even make the noise that you made you can't <laughs> i can't i can't even do it so that's you special have, you have to see yeah you have to, it's donald duck see <laughs> dice just looked over at me he's like is that damn dog in the house oh my god that's great that's great but yeah, I, I think these are things that, you know, I never really thought about it. But unconsciously, I mean, I think we've added these things with our dogs that, you know, we could actually utilize in our training that I don't. I don't ever use it. No, and I'm I'm notoriously uh, careless about, like, I'll double mark. So I'll say yes, and then I'll say get it. And what I need to start doing is use get it itself as a marker. Yeah, that, so that's that, tough. So I mean, from years no, of doing it the other way. Yeah, it's tough. And so I'm going to have tough. to, yeah. And I just, I'll just videotape myself and slowly just kind of fix it. But because that'll help the dog understand. They know what get it means. But if yes means one thing and then get it means another, I'm going to make a mess. But I'm going to use it also for um, impulse control for Ruby for getting her toys. So, and I'm going to try to do the same thing with Tag. So if Tag sees a toy, that's a way higher value thing than a treat. And I want to be able to send her to a toy verse in, or a, a treat reward. And so I'm going to start seeing if I can play with this. I'm just going to start noodling around with it with both Tag and Ruby. So we'll see how it plays out. Well, have fun. You'll have to keep us posted on how it goes because I, I think it's a great training tool. It's something to definitely to, to, to utilize and play around with a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And just watching her work was, I mean, she, her work was beautiful. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was stunning. It was stunning work to see. So mm-hmm. um, if anybody ever has a chance, I, she's Shade White Soul. She, and I think she's on Fenzie a lot. I think is she, she does a, a lot fancy of, trainer? I believe so. I think she does a lot of stuff oh. on fancy. So okay. now we have to double check and make sure. But, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so um, what What did you watch during that time when I was watching that? What did you watch? Oh, God, I'd have to look at the list. I, <laughs> I don't even remember. I Let's see here. Well, I'll tell you one that, that I saw that you didn't see. Okay. Which I thought was really interesting. Uh, Sarah Streming, Happy Crating. Okay. So it's pretty basic. You know, it's just talking about some, some uh, you know, crating skills and how to get your dog accustomed to the crate. But she brought up an interesting concept, and I, I love your opinion on it, and you'll have to go through and rewatch it and see. Everything was pretty basic. I really didn't feel like I learned a whole lot, and it was kind of boring until she said, I hate Susan Garrett's crate games. I've heard that from other people, too. So she said, I used to do it. Now, I love Susan Garrett crate games. I, I, I really do. I base a lot of my crate training on it. Um, now, not for 
for dogs that have like any kind of containment phobia or something well, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're beyond that. We don't do that. But um, but I like it. And if you're not familiar with Susan Garrett Crate Games, basically you are um, practicing common cues and easy cues for your dog in the crate itself. So the dog goes in and out. The dog sits the dog down. The dog paws. The dog you know does all of these cues in the crate. And Sarah Streming said that she she doesn't like it because it turns the crate into a working space. If we are trying to create a, a relaxing and calm environment and we are working our dog uh, in, in this place, then that is not, the, I mean, it's, it's created a working space. It is heightened anxiety, it's, it's heightened arousal levels, and it is not appropriate for a crate, and it will backfire in the end. Now, I've always had great success with it, uh, but I thought that was so interesting. It's such an interesting concept. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, what do you think of that, Leanne? So, actually, I'm going to agree with her. I, I, I'm not familiar with Susan Garrett's crank games. I've never, I've never done them. Um, but my rule of thumb is <clears throat> the crate is a place of rest. So even I'm even cautious about like feeding a lot or like Kongs and things along those lines because I want, I mean, I'll have enough, I'll have enough entertainment. I'm putting that in massive air quotes for my dog. Like I'll scatter food in the, in the crate and I'll feed dinner in the crate. Um, I don't give them Kongs in the crate. I might give them something disgusting to chew on in the crate, but I don't want them spending hours and hours and hours and hours entertaining themselves in the crate with like the impossible Kong toy because I do, because research with humans have found that if you have problems sleeping, you shouldn't read or watch TV in bed, that you need to start teaching your body that bed has a very specific cue essentially. And logically I would think that that would go to transfer to crates as well. So because of that, I don't like to do anything in the crate other than allow the dog to rest and hang out. So I've never done a command in the crate. I've never done like bolting in and out of the crate. I've seen a lot of trainers kind of do this like high speed, like bolting in and out, uh, training methods. I don't like that. I want, I want quiet. I, I mean, I have no problem with them racing into it, but I really prefer them to kind of be ambivalent about it. Obviously, they'll go into it with some speed about if I have food, that's food driven because my food, my, my dogs are always at death's door from starvation, at least according to them. But I, I want the crate to be a place of rest. I never bother my dogs when they're in the crate. I don't like other dogs bothering my dogs when they're in the crate. And I, I, tend, I, I would probably come down very firmly on the same side as Sarah in this. And, and see, I see that point, but I, I see that as a excellent tool for people who are not creating the dog for a work day, for example. So if the dog is going to spend now, I think eight to 10 hours, maybe a bit, on the, that, that's a lot of time in a crate, but even six hours, I still like to do an occupying toy an hour. I like the dog to be able to occupy themselves and to be conditioned to do so while in the crate. I, I maybe, you know, they, they can only sleep for so long. Dogs sleep a really long time, but there are times that they're going to be awake and active in the crate. So I've always seen success, especially with owners who are planning on crating for the duration of the day that they're gone. Okay. Um, and so I, I don't know, I, but it was, it was interesting and I, I see the point of view there and it's something to explore. Definitely. Is this, are we, 
you know, is this hurting? I, I don't know. But is it is it helping? Should we do be doing more like what you're talking about than some of these other other games uh, that are are. Are, are not really calm focused. They're they're working. I mean, you they are working. I mean, I've always done working games in the crate, um, and I've even done drive games. Will I will I put a, like a hot dog or something in the crate, and I'll close the door, and the dog has to work like it's a Kong to get it out until oh, yeah. finally the door opens and oh, we finally get in. Rejoice, we get to go into the crate. So I've even built these these uh, these drive games into the crate as well. Um, so you know, f- for me. It's, it's been very successful and for some of my clients um, where my dogs do have to be created sometimes five, six, even seven hours a day um, and sometimes you know, I hate to admit it but on some days you know, eight or nine hours well and my dogs are created every night I mean at night I mean every, every well not all my dogs I mean Tag and Ruby are created at night and so that's from midnight until six or seven in the morning. So, um, and, and that makes sense for that schedule. So I have the opposite schedule. That's when the dogs get to be out because that's when I'm home. We had a power outage at this time. So our next half was recorded separately. So we hope that you enjoyed the first half and go ahead and go to the second half. We did release them in the same on the same day. Thanks a lot and have a great day.